it's inspiring what you guys are doing because it's really like someday never comes. Like you have one life to live. I want to do soccer head and like, yeah, I have no, like, there's no excuses. Like if I want to get it done, like I got to do it and get yeah. out. Welcome to the Sonico Project, hosted by myself, Travis Marshall, and Pat Forstall. The purpose of our show is to talk with those that have inspired us and discuss challenges in life, past and present. We hope these stories push you to chase new challenges and press on. Overall, we hope to build a community that lives out our mantra of someday never comes. Thank you for tuning in. And enjoy the show. along with being an awesome friend and a great person uh, has an incredible amount of accomplishments in her life uh, to include starting her career, her soccer career at Duke, go blue devils. Um, she had multiple runs in the national championship while being a two-time captain and four-year starter for them. Uh, fo- following that she were, uh, played for the Boston breakers and then for New York, New York athletic club, also known as NIAC. Uh She did all that while she was working at IBM uh, had some major, some insane accomplishments at IBM. I think you, I think you were like sales exec of the year and then worked for and chief of staff for the CIO and then followed up with, uh, basically a tour at Cisco and then headed off to McCourt. She's the chief of staff for the CEO. Uh, now Gilda is focused on soccer head co-founder with soccer head, which we are super excited to get into and uh, understand a little bit more of what soccer head is and why you started that. Um, on top of that, I think something that I've always, you know, looked at Gilda fondly was her, her care and love for others, um, which I know she, she has a, like a, a little sister of sorts, um, but she's also worked with America scores, Boston and big brothers, big sisters of America, um, which we'd, I'd love to hear more about that. Um and then last but not least, she's a two-time marathon finisher, uh, has some awesome stories from that, and a total badass. So, um, Gilda, with that intro, what what is something on your resume? Uh, what what is something that your resume doesn't doesn't tell us about you? Wow. First off, thank you so much for having me on your show today. And I need to bring you guys around more because that was <laughs> such a kind introduction. And you That's guys good. are my ultimate hype men. So thank you for that. Um, something that maybe my resume doesn't uh share about me that I'd want people to know. Um, my ultimate driver in life is really seeing other people succeed. Uh, I think that's kind of what drives and fuels me with what I'm doing with soccer head today. Um, but other people's success motivates me. It inspires me. Um, I feel like it's like almost my life's purpose. Uh, so I try to integrate that kind of, um, mindset and, and kind of helping other people elevate in any types of jobs I take and the communities and kind of the friend groups I put myself in, um, I really want to be that connector and glue and kind of motivator and ins- inspiration for people as they kind of charge towards what, what they want to accomplish in their life. That's awesome. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, seeing, seeing all that you've accomplished, like if you're not kind of motivated by something bigger than that um, or like big like that, you're going to just kind of struggle. I think what would be fun is to, to like look back and like, can you pinpoint what is, really like driven that for you? Was there like a moment in your life or like a person in your life um, or just like in your upbringing that kind of instilled that in you? It's a great question. I think who instilled those types of values in me uh, (laughs) is probably to no surprise my dad. Uh, He's the ultimate uh, cheerleader. And I think he's been through a lot of adversity in his life and he always stays kind of grounded in a positive mindset um, and lives to the values of like, you really have one life to live and how will you maximize that? And how can you maximize that for others? Cause that's 
overall going to give the best experience to society and, and to our world. Um, so yeah, if I had to give credit to someone, it would, it would probably be my dad for kind of instilling that type of loving, caring, kind of nurturing mindset for me to kind of expand and, and give to others. That's awesome. One thing that, you know, I found so amazing with knowing your, your parents and your dad in particular is that you guys both have this like unbelievable ability to stay positive, even in like negative or scary situations. Like, how do you, how do you feel like you do that? Like, what is your, like, what's your drive behind that? And like, how do you stay positive when things aren't necessarily going your way? Yeah. And I think sometimes I, I maybe give off more positivity than sometimes <laughs> when I'm feeling on the inside, but I think uh, obviously the energy, energy you put out is the energy you get back. So I kind of try to stick to that mentality. Um, I think your question was like, how, how do I do that? And like, what's my approach? Um, I, I would say it stems a lot just from my faith and, uh, just seeing that there's something bigger to life. We're just kind of like a small dot moving in this vast universe. And sometimes, uh, not to get all philosophical, but when you do take a step back and kind of reflect on that, when you're going through things that on a day-to-day -day basis, that seem absolutely so overwhelming, uh, just having, you know, my faith and seeing that there's something so much bigger than what the day-to-day -day brings, I think really helps kind of my positive mindset and, uh, like what I can bring to myself and, and to others. I think this could be a fun. So, you know, going over like the resume intro, we kind of jumped straight ahead to Duke and women's soccer. And obviously a lot, it took a lot to get there. Um, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, being a child of immigrant parents and um, I would love to hear just what growing up as Gilda looked like, you know, did you come out dribbling? Like what, you know, tell us about the you know, upbringing. Yeah. Well, I was an absolute soccer head. I'll tell you that live, breathe, <laughs> definitely dribbling the soccer ball down the hallway in high school. Like, missing parties to train like I was it's a psychopath um but my parents were super encouraging and supportive my dad uh grew up in Argentina so he kind of had that flavor of um just like the Argentinian flair to him that kind of taught me my love for the game uh I think my mom probably wishes she could have a lot of her, you know, pots back that I broke in the front yard and all the things I shattered inside the house, hitting the ball off the couch. But, um, yeah, I think I, I, I would say I came out dribbling. I absolutely loved the game and I love to figure out ways on how to master the ball and, um, just really specialize in the sport. Um, I didn't really see it as a job. I saw it as like my, my really unique passion. So I thought that was really great. Just along my journey. Um, I absolutely fell in love with it. Where were your sights set at a young age? Were you like Olympics pros college? Like where did your kind of dreams lie? Yeah. Uh, my dreams definitely lied on making the full women's national team and kind of reaching for as high up as I could go, obviously didn't get those types of opportunities, but I don't think that kind of took anything away from me. I, I think I still got up every day for training and kind of the regimen that I had worked together with my club coach, Scott Baker, who's now actually co-founder of soccer head with me. So that's been kind of like an interesting dynamic on how our relationship has evolved over time. Um, but yeah, I, I always went after it. I didn't always get the results I wanted. And I think, you know, throughout high school, I was always like A to B. And then I think when I got to college with my injuries and different things that kind of came to the surface, um, I learned a lot about myself because just because you work hard doesn't mean you're going to get the next thing. And college was like a big realization for that because the level goes up, the competition goes up you're not really making the teams you were making in high school in terms of the national team pools and stuff like that. So it was very humbling. And I think it's very humbling for a lot of athletes at the college level. And, and do you, so did you say those injuries took place in college? Yeah, I tore my ACL the spring of my junior year. Um, 
and then had a lot of complications. And I think that was the first time in my life where like work ethic didn't translate into results. Um, just because I worked my ass off in rehab for eight hours a day didn't mean I was going to get back on the field any quicker. So I thought that was a really great experience for me uh, just to go through because I think it's the same thing you see in life. Just because I work my ass off at soccer, it doesn't mean it's exactly going to go to be what I want it to be. But it teaches a lot of other things that I think are equally as important for life. Do you have any moments of like doubt during that during the recovery process? Like doubt that you'd get back to the game or? Yeah, definitely. It was my whole identity. And I think that's what happens to a lot of collegiate athletes. Something like that happens. And then you're kind of like, who am I? I'm dealing with depression. I'm dealing with setbacks. Like other people can't really relate. You're trying to be a cheerleader and positive for your teammates, but you're kind of going through your own battles. Um, So I think, I think that was really interesting for me to experience yeah yeah travis and i talked about that um you know on the first episode like we you know that that's kind of what brought us together at some point um we spent a lot of time together in the training room and talked about how that really kind of stripped like you said strips your identity and makes you really kind of question like where do you where do you put your worth and um yeah it's it's definitely like a humbling experience more more than humbling it just really kind of shifts your everything yeah absolutely so two-time captain at duke like what what prepared you for a leadership role like that uh i think all leadership roles uh you're never really completely prepared for them but i think you kind of give yourselves you give yourself kind of the tools that you need uh just from forming relationships with your teammates and getting to know them and like establishing culture um i think what really made me stand out as a captain for Duke was more my work ethic and how I kind of differentiated myself in that regard. Like first one in last one out, um, extra kind of skills training before practice, being super supportive of the players that were injured. Um, I kind of like humanized the approach and didn't see us just as athletes, but as people. And I tried to bring kind of the passion that I bring to the sport, to the team, uh, as well as just like my overall work ethic to kind of infuse. So I, I think I was very much like lead by example and kind of vocal at the times and the critical times I needed to be. Um, and I think it was definitely a great balance with like the other leaders and other captains that I, I was with, like during my time there. Yeah. I mean, knowing you on a very personal level, like being friends with you, I can definitely tell you have a lot of compassion for pretty much everybody in your life, um, which is inspiring for me and awesome to see as you go through it. Um, do you think, do you think that the time you spent as captain and then like follow on to that, um, your time with Boston breakers and Nyack, do you think that has helped you in building a team at soccer head? Do you think that's been implemental of like what you want from uh soccer head? And people in soccer. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, being the leader and in a leadership role, and it, I was even talking to someone the other day about it, uh, my roles in the chief of staff roles at the different organizations in big tech, and then being a captain and kind of playing at the highest levels. I think it's not so much on what you see on like soccer skill side or on the business side as a leader. It's more like, how can you empower the people working with you or the people on your team to really get the most out of them. Um, so I think kind of the empowerment's really big. And then on the other side of that, kind of being the CEO of soccer head now, it's how can you equip those colleagues and those people working with you to be best positioned to succeed? Um, so I think empowerment and kind of a, the, the equipment with the resources you provide them, I, I think are the most critical and the most important in, in these types of roles. I think now would be a good time. Um, I think people are probably might be wondering, you know, like what is soccer head and, you know, I'd love to just hear from you from the CEO, from the founder, like what is soccer head and what, you know, what are you trying to do with soccer head? 
Yeah. So soccer had in a nutshell, we're building out a recruitment management platform to allow the opportunities for youth soccer players to connect and to collegiate programs. Uh, our grand vision with the app is to be the LinkedIn for soccer. So we want to be the home for soccer, the network for soccer and in centralizing kind of the community in one place. Um, there's a lot of excitement in the U.S. market right now. Uh, there's Copa America coming in 2024, the Men's World Cup coming in 2026. And I think we're about to see an absolute boom in the market. I think there's a stat out right now from the Sports Innovation Lab saying that 24% of the market are actually U.S. soccer fans. And there has been just some data points in the past. In uh, 94, when the Men's World Cup came, the MLS, the Major League Soccer League for men's professional soccer, launched in uh, 99 when the Women's World Cup came to the U.S. We saw an absolute, and I can say this, world domination on the U.S. women's national team. So my hypothesis is it's even going to be bigger in this next kind of boom of events coming to the U.S. And I think the time is now to kind of capitalize on these opportunities and through kind of like a sequential method and roadmap, kind of bring incrementally the, the community together in one place. And you talk about like capitalizing on the market, but like knowing you and knowing Soccerhead, that's not like, that's not what your goal is with it, right? Like, can you kind of speak to what, you know, what drove you to to want to launch soccer head? Yeah, great question. And just from the, the market standpoint, it's just more the opportunity. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but more from like our mission and, and what we want to do with the app, it's all centered around making the sport more accessible and more enjoyable. Uh, I'm a firm believer that talent is universal, opportunity is not. So the talent's mm -hmm. definitely there in the market, but the opportunities for the talent to kind of find their path and own their journey isn't. So I, I believe with the power of technology and the platform we're creating, we can again empower these athletes to take ownership of their careers and really get after it. And is that something you would say like you experienced firsthand in your career or um, you know, where kind of what kind of spurned that for you? Yeah, in my own personal path, uh I, you know, uh, making connections with Scott Baker, who's our co-founder now as my club coach, I think was really, really important for my career. I think if I hadn't kind of crossed paths with him, I'd probably be in a different place. Um, so for me, it's, you know, it was still a pain point for me. I think I just got lucky with kind of the network that was put in front of me and I was in the right place at the right time, made, you know, Scott's club team. And then he connected me into a wealth of resources. So instead of it being a manual process, like I had kind of coincidentally making a relationship with Scott and then him opening a lot of doors, we hope that the technology and the platform can kind of facilitate this process for, for the masses. It's exciting. Yeah. It's awesome. That, 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 that quote you just threw out there, talent is universal opportunity is not, it's, that's pretty awesome. But would you say your opportunity came from Scott Baker? Is that like when you when you met him? And that would did you meet him at was that at Nyack or? Uh, yeah, that was at Team Boca. So that was uh, my club team. Okay, okay, yeah, that's awesome. I mean that that really shows that you know the the timing of it all, and when you meet somebody at at a certain time can really you know impact not only yourself but you know millions, hopefully millions out there and yeah. uh, hopefully millions around, around the, um, around the world. That'd be awesome. And I think that's, what's the power of the platform kind of in that LinkedIn for soccer structure. If I'm Gilda Doria, a sophomore in high school, interested in Duke university, I can go to Duke university's page, like women's soccer, learn more about it, apply to the program the same way you would apply in LinkedIn. And then on the back end, the coaches can kind of get a CRM client relationship management kind of view of who the talent is and how they can filter and sort through it. Um, but the network effects in the platform, I think, is what's going to drive the opportunity. So if I'm a sophomore in high school, like I say, and I go to Duke's page and I see there's a, <laughs> alumni connections that I ha can be connected into, I can reach out to them, chat about their experiences. And the centralization of everyone in one place is really helping increase the chances for these kids to have the opportunities that they're seeking. 
Yeah, I mean, opportunity for them to reach out, and also opportunity for the the Duke players in this in this example to mentor somebody. Yeah, so I think is unbelievably helpful as well. Um, yes, you know, Pat, Pat and I were talking about the beginning of Soccer Ed, which you founded in November, so November of last year, twenty twenty two. What do you wish? Like, what do you wish you knew now or back then that you know now? How much time do you have? Yeah, spill the beans. <laughs> Um, I think, I think the biggest thing is just like the advice whiplash, like everyone has an opinion. Pat's been so helpful just kind of from the strategic side and kind of financials of, of what we're trying to figure out. And even in conversations we've had, Pat, it's kind of been like, everyone says they know, but no one really knows. And I think just I could go back to November. It's just like, trust your gut and run in the direction that you want to run because you have the expertise in this vertical and you don't need to copy and paste kind of Uber's approach that was successful. Like the market's different. You know what you're doing and your co-founder and the team knows what you're doing. So uh, just kind of trust yourself and kind of the gut instinct you have. And has. Yeah, that's it's like so good to hear that from you. Um, some Travis and I talked a lot about, and I think it's a, like a lot behind the the Seneca mindset, and there's something that never comes. Like, you know, you can kind of ask a bunch of people, "Hey, like, what do you think I should do here? What do you think I should do here?" At some point, like, you're gonna know what the right answer is, and you kind of have to move forward with it. Um, obviously, when you're launching a new business, like there are some like there are some things you do need to know. But you know, for like what Travis and I are trying to kind of reach people about too, of like you know, go run that race you're thinking about, or like, go try to find that new job you're looking for. It's like, you're going to get a ton of information at some point. The information is not going to help you anymore. You kind of have to move forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I love the, the brand resonates with me so much. Like I had these incredible opportunities supporting these awesome executives and like fortune 100, fortune 15 companies. Um, but someday really never comes. Like if I want to make a splash in soccer and I want to leave a legacy kind of in this sport, the only way I'm going to do it is kind of getting after it, making no excuses and making it a reality. So even just seeing what you guys have been doing and kind of the mentality and the mantra you guys have set out has been really inspirational for me as an entrepreneur, because I do believe this, this life is very special. You have one life to live. So on in moments of doubt, I can even just kind of hit my hit myself with your mantra and just kind of remind myself to stay grounded and, and keep going. Well, I think it's really cool that like how, so Travis and, and Gilda, you know, you guys met each other before I came along, but I met first met Gilda or heard about Gilda on our Grand Canyon trip where this idea really came about. And Travis was telling me, I was telling Travis, like, you know, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life, all this stuff. And talked about like mentoring like kids with football. And Travis is like, you need to meet Gilda. She's launching like soccer head and sent me like your, your deck. And I was like, you need to, can you introduce me to her? And that's literally how like, you know, know. and now Gilda and I have like talked like almost at least probably once a week since. Now we're all BFF. Gilda, yeah. Gilda and Pat so formed a, sometimes. Yeah, they formed a, a friendship that's you know it seems stronger than me and Gilda's now. It makes me no. it makes me real upset. <laughs> Shots fired. I know. Well, well, hey, Travis, step your game up. I mean, I don't know. Sounds I think like- I Facetimed Gilda, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm on I'm on Zoom with Pat right now," and that was that hit me. They hit me deep. I was yeah. like, wow, this is well, messed up. Well, jump on board, dude. We're, we're, trying, got- we're taking soccer head to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> to the moon. It's almost end of year, Travis. We got objectives to hit. I know. We got to. So got, I got our financial advisor here kind of helping us hit the marks. Quarter four marks. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> it's it's just it's funny to hear that you saying like you know something never comes is, is inspiring you when I would say you were probably you might be like the catalyst in a sense like you were the one that really kind of said yeah like do it I remember you yeah back in May we talked and I was like yeah Travis and I are really starting to pick up like this idea of like Sonico and you're like do it like you know what are you waiting for so it's cool to yeah. see it come full circle circle I would say also the you know, just the mind, seeing the mindset that you had towards soccer head that really, like when I started talking with Pat about, you know, we didn't even have a name for what we're, what we're doing now, but 
it was just like, yeah, we, we have to do this. And I kept thinking about you doing soccer head, just dropping everything and just being like, Hey, this is something I'm passionate about. And this is what I want to go for. And like, here we go, let's do it. So obviously someday never comes was not around in November, 2022. So what, like, what gave you that kind of like maybe last bit of confidence you needed to start it? Was there a person, was there a moment that sparked like, okay, I'm going to leave the security of like, you know, being in a corporate kind of world and launch my own venture? Yeah, I, I think it was just uh, maybe even something I read on Twitter, which was crazy. Um, but it was talking about like Queen Elizabeth's death. And I know that it's crazy to bring up because she was such an influential figure and it was running all these stats about her life, like 99.9% of wealth in like certain regions of the world. I think it might've even been the whole world and how like inspiring she was for like an entire country and, and really an entire world. And then the tweet was like, when's the last time you thought about Queen Elizabeth? So I think it was just like a fire in my like fire underneath me after I even read that. And I was kind of teetering. Do I do it? Do I not? Like, do I go to another big corporate company? Like you, you have one life. Like, why are you doing things you're not super passionate about? Why are you doing things that you don't feel are like living true to the legacy you want to leave behind? Cause there it's, it's a finite road. And when kind of it ends, that's, what are people going to remember you for? And even someone like Queen Elizabeth was so influential. Like how often are people still thinking about her? And I know a lot of people are, but um, what do you want to be remembered for? And that's what you should be doing on a, on a day-to-day basis because you just got to do what you're passionate about, what you love every day, even if it's scary as hell, because there's a lot of days when you're making not, not a lot of money or zero dollars in entrepreneurship. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe that tweet kind of put me over the edge, but I think kind of just staying true to my values and my passions is, is what kept me to kind of pull the trigger. It's it's cool to hear that it wasn't like, I don't know, like, yeah, that you kind of just felt that gut feeling at the end of the day, like, this is what I want to be valued as. And you took that leap forward. So, so what was that first step? Like what, you know, I'm sure people out there are like, in the same boat right like they're maybe in like our friend circle they want to leave the military but they don't know what they want to do next or like you they were working in a big corporate job and they want to like launch their own thing or maybe they just want to go run a race like what 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 did the first step look like for you in entrepreneurship yeah i think as soon as you've made the decision and there's advice whiplash on this there's people who say you should stay at your corporate job as long as you absolutely can until you're hitting so much ARR and then kind of make the transition. I also think like if you have the opportunity and it's like a educated financial decision to make the leap, not even leap of faith to make the transition into entrepreneurship. I think the first step is really uh, like what problem are you solving and what's the solution and kind of really firming up your vision, which I learned like your first pitch deck, you're probably going to be on version 193, 10 months in kind of like we are, it's always changing. Um, And I think just talking to the users in the community that you're looking to kind of solve that pain point for is really important, especially in the early stages. Um, Everyone's going to give advice, but I think, you know, have your problem, your solution, what you're trying to solve for, what your mission is, what the vision is for it. Talk to as many users as you can kind of in those early stages. Um, If you do transition full-time, if you're still working, like obviously do that in parallel and just like chip away at it every day. I think it's like always in flux. So like be kind to yourself. You're not going to figure it all out in day one. I think like now that we're almost a year in, things are starting to click and like work streams really make a lot of sense and we can start to execute a little better on what we want to do. But it's so fun. Like people have different opinions on how to get started, but if you're enjoying it and you're having a lot of fun and you're, you know, making new network connections and 
like your job almost feels like a hobby day to day. I think that's when you know you've kind of made the right decision on uh, making the change. Yeah, I think Pat and I kind of talked about it, but you know, I think if you you sit down and you you think about it too much, you're going to be stuck in an analysis paralysis type of deal and never really actually get started or never leave that job that you keep complaining about or never leaving the military that you keep complaining about. So like, you know, it's, it's incredibly inspirational what you did and just like took that first step and went out there and to go back on, you know, the different opinions of all these different people of like, Oh, this is how you start a company or this is exactly how you leave this job or you should stay in the corporate world. You know, from what Pat and I have seen behind all the research we've done for starting the Sonico, it's like, there's no right or wrong way to do it. There's, there's definitely successful ways that people have done it previously, but that doesn't mean that soccer head's going to be successful because you do it their way or Sonico is going to be successful because we saw, we follow soccer heads way so you know just kind of there's so much that goes into it i think it's just at the end of the day a startup's just an idea until until it starts generating revenue so obviously you need to stay focused i think um you know another point i would probably add is we were too product focused at the beginning i think there's some baseline things that are true that people tell you and give you advice on like we're so focused on the app from like day one, whereas we should have been more focused on like problem solution, what our distribution is, how we're going to get the community in and kind of nourish them and kind of understand where they're looking to get great value from our, you know, from our brand. Um, So I think I'd like to caveat what I said. There are some baseline things that as you get started are super helpful uh, but it's not a one size fits all thing for all entrepreneurs. And you back to what I said earlier, you just got to trust your gut and, and trust like your instinct and in what you're doing and what you want your company to evolve into. What a, so now that it's kind of almost a year in, you know, soccer, it's kind of established now it's getting there. It's, it's starting to grab some traction. What's, what's the next step for you guys? So you have the app launched recently, correct? Yeah, our online community launched. Um, we're still raising funds for the app. Uh, I think it's a little bit of a dance in terms of, you know, building your minimal viable product, getting kind of the distribution in and kind of the users in while also kind of building towards your longer term vision. So now we're year in, we're crystal clear. We have like a really ambitious roadmap for 2024 and what we want to accomplish kind of in terms of our user base. And I think fundraising is critical to that. And um, so we'll be kind of launching the app in, in 2024 is what what our main priority is in focus is right now. I kind of want to take a step back if we can. Um, you know, as someone who never made it past uh college sports i would love to hear you know we, we kind of skipped over the professional career um and then really just from your soccer career in general i'd love to hear like some of your highlights what were, your, what were your top moments of playing soccer it could have been as a kid all the way up to pros top moments playing soccer i think top moments uh, like obviously my mind always goes to games. Uh, I yeah. scored my first collegiate goal my sophomore year in the quarterfinal game at home versus Long Beach State. No and way. that that goal like propelled us into the final four for like the second time in program history. So that was really cool. You get uh, chills thinking about that? Absolute adrenal- adrenaline rush. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was awesome. It, it like made no sense. Like, I don't know how I didn't score a goal as a midfielder as a freshman, but I'll take that. I scored my <laughs> goal going to the final four of my sophomore year. Um, and I think that was a highlight and then not to spin it, but like now looking back, a highlight was totally tearing my ACL, which sounds so backwards, but I was just kind of on autopilot in my life. Like everything was working out. Everything was perfect. And like, if I hadn't gone through that experience, I would not love who I was today because I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't be able to like have as much empathy. I wouldn't be able to like have as much compassion as I do now with different people's situations and really learning about others. Um, so that I think was like a big moment for me. Um, and then just going back to like my club soccer days, Team Boca, we had so many weekend road trips. You know, we were down in South Florida going to the middle of nowhere, Georgia on the weekends. And we'd all kind of pack in vans and travel as like teams, like our parents would go separately with each other. So there was like a lot of like fond memories. We're all so super close, still super close. Um, there's just so many great experiences. I wouldn't change it for anything. I think, you know, the opportunity to play soccer or to play a sport is like such a special one. And it gives you, you know, really defines so many different moments in your life. So it is good to kind of go back down memory lane. Yeah, I'd definitely say, I mean, I, the, the injury part, I mean, Pat and I can definitely relate to that and it can teach you so much about yourself and teach you so much about, you know, for me personally, it, it really humbled me and it took me off, you know, from the, the pedestal that you think you might be on and, really brought you down and they're like, Hey, you're, you know, you're still fragile. You're still, you know, without, without the, uh, the confidence and everything, you know, every, everything for me got a little bit shaky and through the recovery. And I think Pat was the same way, you know, through the recovery, you kind of build up, build up a different kind of confidence, one that's hopefully a little bit stronger. And I wonder, I wonder if that was that the same for you. Yeah, definitely. In terms of like your strength and your resilience and like, holy cow, if I can get through three knee surgeries in one year, I can basically do anything. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's cool. It's so cool. And I think like even the opportunities that come out of it, I think you and Pat kind of bonded over maybe your injury in the training room and the relationships that you kind of built from that perspective. I also thought I wanted to be like a physical therapist or like an orthopedic surgeon. And after that experience, I was like, absolutely not. So <laughs> that was positive too. Um, so yeah, it, it's all good. It's all about perspective and like how you view your experiences and going through those. You don't really have a perspective on what your perspective will be in those situations until you kind of go through the process yourself and learn for yourself and, and, and grow in those, in those times. Can you tell us a little bit about the like big brother, big sisters of America? That's where I was going to go next. So perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know you've taught, we've talked a little bit about um, the girl in Boston that you mentor. And I mean, she's basically a little sister to you at this point. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that and like, you know, your, your relationship with her and yeah, I just want to, I want to hear it all really. Yeah. Jocelyn, Jocelyn's the best. Um, her family's from Guatemala. They live in like a two bed with five of them. Um, and you know, they don't have a lot, but they give a lot. Like they, uh, you know, they, they're so happy just kind of being together and being um with each other and being a part of the family. And I think it's been so great for me because, you know, I'm, I'm sure I've shared a lot with her and she, you know, we play soccer together and I've learned a lot, but I equally learned so much from their family on like appreciate just the small things um, and kind of I'm in this entrepreneurial world doing soccer head and I'm traveling the world with the CEO of McCourt global, but like there's, there's more to life. And, um, I think like being able to connect with them from just even like a background and a cultural perspective being like both from Hispanic heritage has been great. Cause it's almost like a home away from home here in Boston. Um, uh, but it, it's been really, really cool. And I definitely recommend it to um everyone if they're kind of considering some type of mentorship program do you balance so when did you start doing that were, were you doing that while you're at ibm and everything uh like a year and a half ago so like at mccourt global um and i think it's just one of those things like you make time for the things you want to make time for totally. um so it's been great 
and I have communicated with them more recently. Like, uh, I think it's always good to be transparent. It's like, I was going there twice a week and now we've kind of paused as my workload's picking up with, with the company. Um, the last thing you want to do is let someone down. So I think it's also good opportunity to be self-reflective in these type of mentorship or kind of nonprofit organizations. If you don't have the time, like communicate that early and as early as you can, because these kids look up to you so much. And, you know, if it's not working from a timing perspective, I think that's just something really important as people look to apply to these things. Pat, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause honestly, like looking at everything you've done since, since Duke, your time balance and your, your time management and your ability to, you know, play for Boston breakers and Nyack and work for IBM and Cisco and do all this like kind of seamlessly. It's fascinating. Like it's, it's honestly like fascinating. and so inspiring to see that somebody can, you know, be dedicated to you know, playing on a very good club team or playing pro and yeah. also have a, you know, a high stakes job at yeah. a big corporation. Yeah. I mean, I think my, like Scott, my co-founder always says it best. Like there's 24 hours in a day. Like you can make time for the things you want to make time for. If you want to work out, like wake up and you don't have time, wake up at 4 a.m. If you, you know, want to be a part of these types of programs, wake up earlier, get to work earlier, get your work done earlier so you can be able to leave earlier, you know? So think with anything, relationships, uh, included, like if, if you want to make it a priority, you will, if you don't, you'll obviously find excuses. Yeah. Yoda, you're, you're an inspiration to us all. And, uh, I hope you, I, I know you will, and I hope you keep, uh, on that track and, you know, continue to mentor people and inspire people just like, just like you inspired Pat and I, um, kind of wrapping up here. Unless you got any any last words, we got we got a couple couple questions to end the uh, the podcast with you. Shoot them. All right, um, I got th- I got three po- uh, I got three questions, but I also I'm gonna throw in a fourth one. Oh man! So I'm gonna start off with this one because this this is uh, something that just came up yesterday. Are these rapid fire or are these like? No, these are just we're not the rapid fire type. This isn't one of those podcasts. We're on the hot seat. (laughs) Not the hot seat. This is good stuff. So the NYC marathon. I just want to know what kind of what was on your your running playlist for the marathon. Oh gosh. These questions came from Onyx. (laughs) Um okay. Well, are you gonna ask me about what was on my playlist for the Boston Marathon after, or is this just a one? Uh, I mean, is there something? Yeah, let's just hit both of them. No, well, Boston Marathon. It was Ed Sheeran uh, the whole entire time. I think I only. I think I like thinking out loud. I think I only had like one one of the playlists. Like, so it was just kind of like cycling through that, which is totally serial killer. (laughs) And then for the New York City Marathon, I'm obsessed with like Guy Raz. How I built this. I'm not even kidding you. I think. I listened to the Teach for America, how I built this. Ooh, is that a good one? Probably also listened to Ed Sheeran. Like, and maybe, you know, I don't know, even know if Bad Bunny was a thing then, but probably Bad Bunny was in there too. I, I kind of diversified for the New York City Marathon for Boston. It was pure, just, just good old Ed. Travis, should, awesome. we hit on, should we hit on? I, I kind of, that's a good one. That's, we haven't, what's your, what's your marathon music? mine yeah it really ranges like i think beethoven like it's like classical <laughs> yeah I, whoa well, good, you should I heard, I with heard, your co-host <laughs> i heard you had uh i thought i heard you had like andrea Bocelli, like an opera oh yeah i mean i wasn't gonna go that deep into <laughs> <laughs> Come on, no I hold mean, back. No, up. I think I did. I mean, Boston was a long time ago. I mean, yeah, Andrea Bucelli would probably was on there. I know Ed Sheeran was on there. I'd have to kind of do a recon on on what was on and what was not. But 
Nice, nice. I think uh, my last, the last marathon I did, so it was the 50K, the uh, Marine Corps 50K, and my phone, well, my phone, like, it wouldn't load any music. I'm not, I'm not sure what was going on there, but I had two songs playing, and they were both Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it for 50K? How many miles? Uh, it's like 31. Um, I I ended up cutting it off after like 15 miles but i did crank out 15 miles with just taylor swift playing wow, i love that that's yeah, it was that's electric good. pat what's yours um my so I, I can't remember what i was i actually don't think i listened to anything during the marathon i was running with a guy uh shout out george i was running with george so i was like oh we're just gonna be running together like i'm not gonna be a weirdo and like listen to music and then George was like had his headphones in. I was like, well, I really played myself, but I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't train with music. So it was all right. And then, but the last race I did was Petrie. Well, not actually for the 50 mile. I didn't have any music, but for the, uh, 10 K I loaded up like 45 minutes worth of songs. And I was like, I'm just going to roll. And it was like black Sabbath, uh, electric. Yeah. Black Sabbath. Oh, you too. guys are just built different. Like that's you. I don't, you guys are over here like you're such an inspiration for a marathon and then you're like oh i just casually ran a 50 miler this weekend like there was nothing casual about it you know what <laughs> i want to have i want to have a reverse podcast where i'm the host on your podcast <laughs> and i'm interviewing you guys because i got some things in the arsenal that i want to that i want to bring i want to bring out well, that's not now. We got we got more questions. For yeah. You. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Next. Next one. What's your cereal of choice? Cereal. Yeah, your cereal. You said you're a cereal killer, so. <laughs> My cereal of choice. This is so Paraguayan, but like I would say, my cereal of choice is Frosted Flakes, but putting it in like strawberry yogurt it's like it's like a hispanic thing don't I, don't at me <laughs> i think i feel the, like you just ruined the best part of frosted flakes no yeah. like the milk the milk is the best part you yeah. so no, I'm with that, in there. i feel that way about like cocoa puffs like when the milk turns chocolate milk but mm. Mm, interesting what's your favorite cereal I mean, I've thought this for a while. I thought about just soaking Frosted Flakes in milk <laughs> and then straining out the Frosted Flakes and trying to sell the that. milk. That's how passionate That's I am best. about yeah. Well, at least we both like the same cereal. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I'm a Kashi, Goline, peanut butter uh, cereal. So good. Again, OG. don't at me. I know you're like, oh, people are like, oh, that's like a healthy cereal. I'm like, it's it, one, it's cereal. Like, that's just, but it's so good. So don't at me. And ten, 10 grams of protein in it. So if you're Checks trying to get big, yeah. Checks peanut butter. That's that's also a good one. All right, Gilda. Next one. <laughs> what is your go-to drink on a plane? Like you're you're headed to London. You're four hours into this puppy. You're in economy. We're not talking first class here. Yeah. Soccer hat hasn't made it yet. No, not yet. Honestly. What it, nothing <laughs> you say no or do you ask for you no water just no like probably no water i probably just drinking drinking the water bottle i have that i brought with me sustainability i'm about it yeah love that love i know that. i wish it was a better answer that's good soccer, soccer head is mentoring kids and saving the planet all in, <laughs> in the same day <laughs> let's go that's the tagline we love we love it we love right. we love to live for it. Last one. Last one. What is your guilty pleasure? Oh my gosh. <laughs> my guilty pleasure. <laughs> Trader Joe's dark chocolate peanut butter cups. Oh. Put them in the freezer. Oh. Stop it. I, I told I you. Stopped. I stopped. I'm trying to set goals for soccer head and also personal goals. So I told I told you like those have been in our fridge and I refuse to oh. taste them because i know once i do i'm i'm in trouble last I night I the whole thing it's it's really funny my boyfriend steve like sometimes he'll get home and he'll be like he'll like find the wrappers around the apartment and they'll be like oh like was it a, <laughs> you all right or was it a rough day and i'm like 
it was a good day. It was like a really hard day with soccer head. I'm like, it was great. I came, everywhere. I came this so, close. I came so close last night um, to finally trying yeah, one. I popped, I popped the lid. You, you you can't stop oh. though. I think that and the Trader Joe's uh uh sweet and salty cashews. Have you had those? Mm. Like the spice. Oh, not the cat. What am I saying? I don't even know what I'm the the spice pecans, the sweet and salty. <sighs> I haven't really? had those, but I do love some spice pecans. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is a good. This good. is a good plug for Trader Joe's. Maybe we can bring them on as potential sponsor. <laughs> yeah. If anyone yeah. out there has any connections to Trader Joe's, I went there so just to fuel up for for our race this past weekend. So. Yeah, you guys had so many different supporters for that race. It's important um, to make up. Yeah. Well, I think the last thing we should do is, you know, f- for our listeners out there. Um, how can how can they support Soccerhead? Obviously, you're repping a, a repping, baller hoodie. Repping the hoodie. Uh, I yeah. wore my socks yesterday. You're the best. Yeah, I think um, following us on our you know social platforms at Soccerhead underscore co. Uh, joining our online community if you're a part of soccer and kind of interested in engaging with our LinkedIn for soccer structure at uh, community.soccerhead.co. And I think just spreading the love and the awareness of the brand, I think is is definitely the most helpful. And um, when you join the community, we can obviously keep, keep you up to date through our newsletter and kind of different forms. But I think supporting the brand and kind of buying into the mission is, is really the best support you can provide us um, at this point in time. Yeah, and I think that goes for you know, people, even if you're not a soccer head, like let's say myself, I don't necessarily soccer head very often, but (laughs) (laughs) I, I do really enjoy following you guys because it's, 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 you know, it's motivation. It's inspiring. You guys are always doing something good. And the ultimate mission for soccer head is something way beyond way bigger than us. You know, it's always, it's uh, helping kids out, helping kids reach their full potential. So um even just giving a giving you guys a follow just to you know feel feel some motivation towards um some good in the world and the swag is great the logo you guys crushed it i'm yeah. swag is great i'm pumped for you guys so gilda it's been an absolute pleasure having you on we really appreciate you know you supporting us by coming on um and it's just Thanks great to hear your background this was, this was really fun yeah More. thank you gilda and uh we look forward to, you know, maybe we'll get you on again here soon, but uh, keep killing it. You're absolutely crushing it. And soccer head, soccer head to the moon. Soccer head to the moon. Remember, someday never comes, Gilly. <laughs> Have a great day. All right. All right. Hey, team. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Sonico Project. If you enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you subscribe and rate the podcast and consider sharing with someone you think would benefit from the show. Follow us on Instagram at Team Sonico. Press on and peace out, Pat and Trav.